Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Michael Gormley, and we are continuing our journey on the Relic Reveal all the way to Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. Groundbreakings coming up soon. We are super excited about that. Today's saint is a saint that is deeply personal in my own life, for my own life growing up. And this is the wonderful, the beautiful, the handsome, the stigmatist, the mystic, the confessor, the martyr of the confessional, Saint Padre P.O. of Petrocina. That's right. The PPP loan himself. Just kidding. That was so stupid. <laughs> On loan from God to us for our sanctification. Padre Pio of Petrocina, Italy. Now, I love this man. I love his story. Not just because he was born on May 25th, like yours truly here. He was born in 1887. I was born in 1982. Pretty close. But Padre Pio was a huge part of my life growing up because he was a member of a religious order that was at my church, the Capuchin Franciscans. And it's so fascinating to see how the lives and the things that attracted the men who were my priests uh, were also the things that drew him into the Capuchin Franciscans. But I digress. Let's back it up and go over his early life. When he was born uh, into his family, they were pretty poor as a family, uh, he used to tend sheep as super young uh, in order to bring some income home to the family. But of course, this is one of those saints whose stories start early. When he was a young boy, he had a very powerful experience of Christ and he consecrated his whole life to Jesus and he was five years old. Okay, now I have uh, a five-year-old and I don't think he has consecrated himself to anything except war, war all the time. So when you begin to think about this, he uh, actually began routinely experiencing visions and conversations with his guardian angel, with Jesus and Mary, that obviously their unique graces that he was given has shaped and transformed his life. But he impacted Italy and Europe and really the whole 20th century in a very powerful way. Um, Padre Pio would eventually, because of uh, various illnesses that were with him almost his entire life, um, suffer greatly. He ended up having to be tutored at home. His father tried to get him into the Capuchin Franciscans because they said, uh, I want to join a religious order that has beards, something I can deeply respect. Uh, and so when he went to the Capuchin Franciscans in Italy, they said, no, he doesn't have enough education, bump up his education level and you got it. So in order to pay for a private tutor, his father actually came here to the States in the late 1800s and worked hard to send money to pay for the tutor so his son could become a seminarian. Parents, think about this, right? Uh, giving your sons to the church is a very good thing for us Catholics to do. Padre Pio would eventually enter the Capuchin Franciscans, and though he continued to struggle with ill health, at the age of 23, he was finally ordained. A few months before that, he took his final, or a few years before that, he took his final solemn vows because he is in a religious order, so poverty, chastity, and obedience. After he's ordained to the priesthood, he gets drafted into the Italian army, to fight World War One, he's sent to the medical corps. Several other priests from his convent were sent there as well. And uh, he eventually gets kicked out because he was unfit for medical duty due to tuberculosis. So there's so much of this sickness that would ebb and flow throughout his life. But between him being ordained and being sent to war, which was about a year's time, he already began having this huge reputation for being a very holy man and a very interesting Man, So he comes back and he becomes incredibly popular. He would experience some of the other friars would look at him while he was praying and he would be, you know, levitating. Uh, other times he'd be celebrating mass and they would last for hours. 
They would last for hours because he would have these long pauses at different parts of the mass. And to the point where his superior's like, hey, Pio, cut it out. We need to have mass, you know, be like 38 minutes long. And he said, God knows how I wish I could have a normal mass like a regular priest. Meaning this wasn't him pausing for dramatic effect. God was mystically uh, involving him in the middle of the liturgy in something utterly different. People came from all over to receive spiritual direction from him, but his most important ministry was to be what he called a martyr of the confessional. Hearing confessions 10, 12, 14 hours a day, very similar to one of my favorite saints, the Cure of Ars, the pastor of the small church in Ars, France, also known as Jean-Marie Vianney. Um, he would end up, Padre Pio would end up um, getting silenced by the church because of his celebrity and popularity and because of a certain huge mystical experience that happened in his life. One day while celebrating mass, he experienced intense pains, and then he looks down and sees that he has the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, the pierced hands of Christ. Doctors would say that they were perfectly round circles that smelled of roses, which is a common thing known as the odor of sanctity, right? That this man, uh, people thought that he was faking it, that he was a sensationalist, that he was a narcissist. So he, uh, they, they actually stripped him of his ability to celebrate public mass and confessions. Private mass, private confessions, only within the convent, to your fellow friars, and that's it. Um, and he graciously accepted it because he was humiliated, he said, by all of the attention that he was getting. Now, I'm going to go a little off script here because uh, Jay wrote this brilliant uh, bio, which I want you to go to ap.church slash saints in order to check out the bio. But I've read several books on Padre Pio, and I just want to throw in two things that maybe some people don't know. Uh, number one, Padre Pio was a jerk in a lot of ways. His personality was incredibly uh, gruff. He would brush people off with a, ah, get out of here, right? He was known for that. But also he was known for his profound penances because he realized what, uh, how often he could come across as a jerk. Let's put it that way. So for those of you who have been called that before, you have your saint in both Jerome and in Padre Pio. So we we got them. Uh, but the other thing that people don't know is he actually contributed in an epic way to the modernization of all of Europe. Why? Because a widow that he worked with, when she had died, she left him her fortune. He didn't know what to do with all this money. So this guy who was, uh, uh, let's say, a street tough that only a man with a jerk-like personality could confront and have respect changed his life, converted to Christ, he put that young man in charge of the financial side of things. And the young man invested in something that would change the face of Europe. Diesel train engines. So literally, the modernization of Europe through the train system that I have been on many, many times came from this huge initial investment from a handful of investors, and Padre Pio had a, a, a massive share. Uh, it was like 40% of that initial buy-in because of this widow leaving uh, him her fortune. So it's weird and fascinating how his life would change. Eventually, masses would be so huge, he would have to celebrate it out in the piazza in front of the church. His health would continue to decline until ultimately he would succumb to uh, fainting spells and all of these things that he got permission from the Vatican to celebrate the Mass while seated the entire time. Uh, on September 23rd, he collapsed after celebrating Mass. And on the 23rd, so on the 22nd, he collapsed on the 23rd while saying the name in Italian of Jesus and Mary over and over again at the age of 81, he died after receiving the sacraments and confession and the Eucharist. 
he died in his convent home. When you step back and look at the life of Padre Pio, there are so many things that are fascinating, right? That he had these unique experiences when he was a child. He had the stigmata that he begged Christ to take away forever. He also encountered a young Polish priest who made a visit down to Padre Pio in uh, San Giovanni Rotundo and um, met him there and heard his confession and then spoke a prophecy to him. Now, people were like, oh, did he predict that this young Polish priest named Karol Wojtyla was going to become Pope John Paul II? No, he said, he revealed to me that there was a wound that he possessed, that though the stigmata in his hands and feet surely hurt, nothing compared to the wound on his shoulder. People did not even know, even the, the superior of his convent did not even know he had this shoulder wound and it was only revealed after his death. And he revealed it only to one man, Pope John Paul II, the same pope who would canonize Padre Pio years later. I have a personal friend who his parents, when they were children, said, you two are going to marry each other. They grew completely apart. They didn't know each other at the time. They came back years later, no idea why. They met up, and they ended up getting married, and their parents reminded, hey, you're the person that Padre Pio said you're going to marry. They had totally forgotten about it. So many unmistakable. He even bilocated. Jade, you know he bilocated? Yeah, <laughs> crazy stories. Sometimes these sensational stories can actually derail us in our imitatio Christi, Christi, in our following of Christ. Why? Well, they seem so sensational. How can I get the stigmata, right? Okay, well, here's the deal. This is what we take. Number one, God breaks into the world. From the burning bush to the crucifixion and resurrection, the divine is always waiting to break into our world. God uses saints like Catherine of Siena and Padre Pio, who he has singularly graced out of his divine sovereignty and freedom to bless in a unique way, to be like signposts and icons living in the midst of our of our lives, of our daily mundane world to call us back to holiness, to call us back to him. Another thing. He was a martyr of the confessional. He desired souls to come to confession weekly. He was almost like the patron saint, along with, I think it was Pope Pius X, of the weekly frequent confession, right? A practice of devotion, but also to remove the dust and dirt and sweep it out of our souls so that Christ might reign more supremely in our hearts. Padre Pio is for us the 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 living way of loving God the way God deserves to be loved. He is a call, a sign, an invitation to us to live the same life, right? So you and I might not be on that track where we're off in a convent, where we knew our vocation from day one, okay? That might not be us. But the idea that Christ can break into our own hearts in a powerful way, if we surrender ourselves to the martyrdom of prayer, to the martyrdom of confession, to the martyrdom of repentance and love and charity, if we can do this, then we can actually imitate Padre Pio, even without the sensationalism. Because I'll tell you this, if you were to sit down with Padre Pio and say, what's the most important thing? He would say, it is prayer, it is the Eucharist, it is love of Jesus Christ. Can you pray? Can you receive the Eucharist? Can you love Jesus Christ? Then you can imitate Padre Pio as Padre Pio imitates Christ. Brothers and sisters, his story might be epic, but your story is too. And in our pilgrimage to Our Lady of the Angels Chapel, I want you to understand that this is not just a story of a collection of saints. This is not just the church's history, the true revolutionaries down through time. This is us, who we are called to be, biographies and invitations of a life that we are called to live. Finally, I want to end with this. He built a hospital. 
the Home for the Relief of Suffering in San Giovanni Rotondo. I had heard about this hospital and desired to see it. And so when I was a student abroad in Austria, I drove to San Giovanni Rotundo and I got out and I went to the church and I did my little pilgrimage and I went to his site and I, uh, you know, prayed in front of his relics. I did all the things and I thought it was awesome and it was amazing, but I couldn't find the, uh, I couldn't find the hospital and our bus was leaving and I was so upset. I was like, no, I just want to see this place because I hear it's amazing. I hear it's wonderful. I hear it's the way Catholics should do healthcare and all these wonderful things I hear. So sadly, I walk from San Giovanni Rotundo, the little church area, and I walk from the front all the way to my bus and I'm sitting there and we're about to leave. And I look at the bus driver and I say, do you know where the hospital is? And he said, it's all around you. And I said, what? And I looked, and city block after city block going all the way down the road to his church is this one huge building. I thought it was town hall. I thought it was like a corporate headquarters of something. It was this super massive, long building that was the home for the relief of suffering. And I ended up being there, and I was like, okay, so I didn't get to go inside and experience it. But here I am at this place. Brothers and sisters, these are things that you and I, following Padre Pio, can participate in. What could be better than making this world decreasing its evil and increasing its joy? What could be better? What could be more noble of a task of making this world a little bit less intolerable? Of making suffering a little bit less in the world? That's what he did. That's what he brought. We can do the same thing. All right, stay tuned. Next week, as we continue our march, we got 11 more relics left, 10 of whom are saints. Oh! We will be concluding. I'm excited. We're going to be concluding with this in March as Lent kicks off and all these things. But brothers and sisters, take these lessons to heart. Christ is here. Christ is with us. And Christ desires this journey to go forward. God bless you.